From our very first memories, stories surround us. They inspire us and enthrall us. The stories that we hear and the stories that we tell define us. But can storytelling be a tool in value selling? Packaging the customer's desired goals, the art of the possible, and the value of digital transformation. All of that with a neat little bow. To answer this, I'm joined by Eric Reno, the Chief Storyteller at SAP Executive Advisory and Architecture. In his 18 years at SAP, Eric has been a strategic leader supporting sales pursuits across every industry. During this time, he has seen the evolution of business and the demands for reinvention that companies are facing today. As Chief Storyteller, Film Producer and Director, Eric's focus is helping others create the most compelling story possible while showing you how to deliver stories that make a difference. Some of his most recent projects include Levi Strauss, Disney, Amgen, WarnerMedia, T-Mobile, Zoom, Starbucks, and U.S. Department of Defense, to name a few. This past month, Eric was a featured speaker at 2022 North America Customer Success Summit and has also shared his methods with global teams, including HXM, Concur Sales, Pre-Sales and Solution Architects. Outside of SAP, Eric was recently an invited guest speaker at BYU University Law School and just concluded an interview for a national podcast, Storytelling for Executives. As always, my name is Akshi Mola, and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me today at SAP Experts Podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you. Now, Eric, I'm super excited because today we're going to take a deep dive into the art of storytelling, but not just that. We will specifically be looking at the role it plays in eliciting emotions, striking the right chord with our audience, and eventually in value selling. But Eric, before we jump right into that, let us begin with your story. What was it about your journey, both professionally and personally, that inspired you towards this career, towards a career in storytelling, and for you to become the storyteller that you are today? Well, the easy questions, right? So, you know, second grade, I think that's when I wrote my very first screenplay. Um, it was a horror story, right? And so excited. We didn't have cameras back then, so I couldn't actually film something. So I got a bunch of my classmates and we actually acted it out. We got flashlights from the janitor and we, we actually set up this whole stage and everything else. It was wonderful. People loved it. And it was actually a pretty pivotal time, certainly at that age for me, I ended up starting piano, I ended up starting violin, you know, became this musician. And then people were surprised when, hold on, he's going to go to business school, right, later on. And it, that was that was a, a surprise to many. We thought, well, he's, this guy's going to go to Juilliard or something. But I, I had a real fascination around business. My parents were always into to different businesses and things like that. So it was always a passion of mine. And when you look at the creativity side of what I did around sort of screenwriting and music and take a look at my business background, it really was a confluence of opportunity to really become a really good storyteller, right? And so that's how I got to where I am today and uh, holding the chief storyteller role at a company called SAP. Wow, wow. And when you said your very first screenplay, 
was a ghost story. And that's my favorite genre. So I'm actually very interested <laughs> in what the second grader you came up with. So that's awesome. That's fascinating. So with that said, Eric, what does the word story mean to you? So we're really peeling back the layers of the onion. Wow. And yeah. maybe perhaps you have that one story that somebody told you that was pivotal to you and that you like to share with others. So what's the story and what is the story that inspires you? What's the story that inspires me? Uh, here's how I'll answer that. To me, a good story is someone that moves. It's something that moves me. I, it has to actually move me and, and, and create this, elicit some, some form of emotion, right? Um, stories that do that are ones where you imagine that you're in one particular setting and you go through a portal and all of a sudden you're in a different reality, right? Those are the things that really appeal to me, the back to the futures of the world, right? Things where you're going back in time and stuff like that, which when you look at what I do in the world that I live in, which is software sales, enterprise software sales, it really is, there's a great parallel there to sort of immersing an audience into a different reality. Because the reality that a customer comes to us is we have many, many challenges and we're trying to find a way to solve those challenges. What can you do, right? And so if I'm able to sort of take my audience and immerse them into a different reality that shows them the art of the possible, right? the value and the different things that they're not getting now, all of a sudden that becomes very relevant to them, right? It's what it moves them. And so to me, that's really what I see when someone says stories. It, it doesn't move me, right? Is it is it relevant to me? Does it get me to take action? Right. Absolutely. When you say does it move me, does it inspire me to take that action? Now that I'm thinking about it, storytelling can be done and achieved in so many ways, because I'm thinking back to my pre-sales career, right? And I used to love starting my presentations by going over the customer's goals, their challenges where they would like to be, right? So it made it very personal to them. So it was no longer about, hi, I'm this ERP company and cloud, intelligent technologies, AI, machine Correct. learning, but it was in context of what they care for. And another thing, Eric, which I do right now in my current role is gamification. And when mm -hmm. we play this board game with the customers, right? I always tell them that for this one hour, forget about, of course, we will have to deal with the implementation realities that, okay, you have so many ERPs, you have to put them in one place, remove the silos. Agreed. Right. You know, right. implementation takes a minute, but for this one hour, just think that you're in a candy shop and you can have every capability that you want or you think you need in your company today. So what, what fascinates you? What would you like to explore and just do that? So that's very interesting that you bring that up. And now that you told me what the word story means to you, what a good, good story could look like, according to you, Eric, what makes a good storyteller? What abilities, what superpowers does it take to be a good storyteller? Yeah, that's a it's a great question, um, and I think it's something people when I when I answer this question, a lot of people go, "Well, hold on, that's something that's innate." And I don't necessarily think that's true. You need to be curious first, right? curiosity, because curiosity is going to help you sort of garner different stories, right, in your life, right? People that ask questions, people that have, you know, wow, how does that work, or how did you do that? You know, in, in life, when you're curious, you turn to absorb a lot more, right? You're inquisitive. And from that, you garner a lot of different stories. You understand what people are passionate about. You understand what people aren't passionate about, what's relevant to people, right? So that when you finally get to 
the actual story, it's relevant to them, right? It's something that is of interest to them. And when something is relevant, when something is of interest, and if this message is simple, guess what? People tend to remember those things. And when my, you know, again, my catchphrase, for those of you that ever see my, my signature on anything, one thing that I always put at the very bottom is you know, a story should not, a good story is not judged on just on the visceral response that you get when you hear it the first time, right? That, that's a good thing. Right. To me, a good story is judged on when you get that overwhelming feeling that, and compelled to retell that story, right? And that's what we try and do uh, in my world. Certainly when it comes to, I don't care if it's, it's telling stories to my children or if it is in an enterprise software environment, right? We want to get the audience to retell our stories because it's a force multiplier, right? It's something that you're really excited about and what other people will be excited about that as well. You know, I love that when you said that it should be something which is relevant to the audience, something that they can be inspired about. And a word that kept coming into my head was also relatable. And, you know, you were talking about enterprise software, all of these things, my brain for some reason kept going to Encanto the recent Disney movie, right? My brain kept going that and I was thinking, yes, that is so true because I think the reason why audience is really resonating towards the movie right now is not because they find magic houses relatable. No, we don't. We don't have a magic house, but we all have families and we all have expectations. We all have generations and every generation trying to do their own thing. So that's what makes it relatable. And similarly, audiences, uh, a CFO might not care about cloud just for the sake of cloud but they might care about the bottom line they might care about their top line so we can contextualize our solutions with that in mind and you know eric i have covered this topic before on this podcast i think a couple of times definitely before and one of my guests i think it was either lars elmquist or sir rathakwa one of them mentioned that you can never be free of a story you're always telling a story even if you're not saying anything and if you, and it is up to you to decide which story you want to tell. And he even warned us that sometimes without even saying anything, you might be conveying the wrong story. What is your take yeah. on this? That's interesting. I would, I would agree with that. If you replace the word story with data. Mm. Okay. So let me explain. I think many of us, are great data tellers, great data tellers, facts, figures, right? Certain right. things like that, that aren't necessarily a story. But he's absolutely right. I think we're, we have a ton of data. And we're always sharing this data with people. But sharing data isn't necessarily sharing a story, right? That's always tell people. I want to get people from data telling to become storytelling. Right. Right. And so there, there's there's a huge difference. We come in with, like I said, with a bunch of facts and figures, but we don't provide a lot of context around that at times. So people sort of just hear these things and okay, well, what does that mean to me? What should that mean to me? Right? What does that mean to you? Why are, are these things relevant? Uh, and I'll give you a perfect example. Perfect example. A lot of folks today, when they come into an audience that, that I'm in front of a lot, which is a customer that's something to buy software, the knee-jerk reaction of a lot of presenters is to start talking about features mm. and functions. Yeah. We have 37 ways to do this. We have 22 ways to do this. You have, and it's great. And those things, don't get me wrong, they're important. But why are they important, right? right. What's the context behind that? 
And so I always tell people up front, set the context up front before you start getting into the data telling, because the mm-hmm. context up front is going to take that data and actually make it into a story. Right. right? And, and so, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of people that have information to share, but are they putting it within the context of a story? And that's what I do. I try to help people get to sort of the data telling world and get into the storytelling world. Beautiful. That is so beautiful because when you were saying, oh, I have 36 ways of doing this, and you beautifully said that context matters, nuance matters, because when I hear about 36 ways, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so intimidated right now. I'll have to learn 36 ways. Now that's where context and nuance comes into play. That no, what I'm trying to tell you is that we can customize your experience for you. So there are these 36 different ways you can achieve the same thing. You don't have to adjust. So it's what we're saying and how we're saying and how we're putting it around the audience is where the magic is, where the yeah, secret and sauce is. it's not is. just that. You're bringing up a good point. It's not just sort of the way, and don't get me wrong, the yeah. way you deliver a message is important. Mm. You'll notice I'm really big into hand gestures, articulation, yes. and, and things like Those are always very, very important. What, what I mean by sort of the context setting, look at where we are today. We're just coming out of a pandemic. Finally, right? Knock on wood. Um, we, we supply chain issues, gas prices are going through the roof. Um, that leads to higher transportation costs. Uh, customers now are used to buying more online. The shopping mall has become more of a showroom, if anything yes. else. So you add all of these things up. How does that then affect the customer that you're talking to? So before you go into all the solutions and things like that or talking about those things, let them know, hey, listen, here's what's happening. There are some crazy things going on in the world. And this is how it sort of manifests itself in the business challenges, not yet for just for, for the industry, uh, yourself, but for the industry. Industry. And by, by the way, here's how we are looking at attacking this problem. See what I've done here? I haven't even gotten to any solution yet. I'm simply talking about what's going on. And a lot of people expect that, certainly when you come from the world that I'm in. Don't just tell me the solution. Tell me mm-hmm. what's happening that sort of leads you to this. Make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're, you know, what I'm also hearing is not just that what solutions do you have, but why should I care? Put it into my context. What's going on in the world? What's going on in the industry? Uh, that's awesome. And you already told us some of the pitfalls that storytellers fall into. So bouncing on that very uh, train that we are going on right now, what are sure. some of the things as storytellers we should be cognizant of, especially in a professional sales setting? Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's, and I think it, it's, it bears repeating. I think the thing that we are so excited about, right? Because think about all, most of the time when people are prepping to go in front of a, a, a particular audience, it's, I, I need to show all these things. Hmm. It's, it's, I'm going to show up and I'm going to show all these wonderful, wonderful things, right? And don't get me wrong, I think that can be important, but it's not necessarily the most important. And I'll ask you a question, right? So right. sort of role play here. Yes. Take anything material that you've purchased, um, anything in the last couple of months, uh, refrigerator, a car, a sofa, I got my new smartphone. Right? You got your new smartphone. Oh my goodness, right? The iPhone 13 or the Samsung, whatever that might be, right? Right. And then ask yourself, did it have the most features mm. maybe but probably not probably not why no. did you get it well either you bought it most likely because there's something that connected with you emotionally yes right 
whether it's a color, something, and maybe felt some will say color is a feature, but there was something that sort of attracted you beyond just, well, it, this one can do things 20 ways, and this one can do five things. It, in some ways, it doesn't really matter, right? right? If it's a material purchase, right? And that's what's really the point of this, is that when you go into a setting environment with a customer, right, you're, you're trying to solve some challenges, you're trying to solve some problems. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to come with the biggest suitcase of all these things, right? Yeah. No, it's not that, right? And so the storytelling really sort of captures the emotion of the audience to where, listen, this is what we're trying to do. And you're focused on the outcome. You're not focused on all these sort of bells and whistles. What do I actually need to do to go from here to here? And by the way, once I'm here, how do I get to there? So right. you're always telling part two of the story, right? Beautiful. It's not a feature function narrative. And I think that's the biggest pitfall that a lot of people make. Oh, yeah, because I, I can completely resonate with that because another purchase I recently made was of the Remarkable Notebook and why I bought that. And it definitely did not have all the features that can exist in a tablet because I know there are other tablets out there where you can really sketch and there you can connect them to, to online and you can do all kinds of things. There are these smart tablets. You can look at browsers. I did not want that. All I wanted was a never-ending notebook so that I can scribble and I can scribble and I can have my meetings and it feels like paper. And it never yeah. ends. Otherwise, I have like 20 notebooks and I don't know where to look for them. And this fit what I wanted as an audience. And sometimes I think had I gone into a store and I had asked for this feature and somebody had said, well, have you looked at all the colors we have? Have you looked at all these different sketching abilities? Uh, I, would, I would have probably gotten annoyed that you're not listening to me. I'm asking right. for a never ending well, notebook and you're giving me fancy stuff. Yeah. I'll give you an extreme to that. All right. Um, when you go to Home Depot. Yes. Or Lowe's. Okay. And you're there, you're getting ready to solve, you're trying to work on this particular project. Are you there to buy a drill or are you there to buy a hole? Ooh. Some people just want the outcome. Right. Do you want the tool or do you want the hole? And it's it, like I said, it's the extreme. But what I'm seeing is someone here is looking for the hole, right? They, they yes. Do something. And so, but do they really need the tool? So there's a balance there. It's, there's a balance between the outcome and what your audience is really looking for. It's really need to be in tune with that. But I can tell you 99 times out of a hundred, sometimes a hundred times out of hundred, it's not about all the features. It, it really isn't. It really isn't. So on to the pitfalls, uh, we move, we've been moving on slightly from there. And, you know, we mentioned gestures and that is something that I personally struggle with while bringing in all of the storytelling elements. Now, Eric, whether it be my podcast or my professional role, something that I'm scared of while storytelling is appearing extra, too contrived, too mm -hmm. energetic, you know, and sometimes the self-doubt creeps in that maybe I should just tone myself down. So what are your thoughts on putting across one story that would still re resonate with the audience while still being authentic? while also not being too worried that, okay, am I coming across as fake or weird? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I, it's a great question, right? Um, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify it after my response, but always, always, always be your authentic self. Always, right? Because the story that you tell, at some point, there's going to be a part two of the story. If you did a really good job the first time, Every good story has a part two, which means you may be in front of that audience again. And mm. what am I seeing? Two different Eric's? What, what he was 
always be your authentic self. Now, I want to qualify this. This doesn't mean being, you know, mean being rude or, or be, you know, uh, not respective of someone who's talking and keep interrupting them or things like that. Again, there's certain behavioral things that you want to be very cognizant of, but you always want to be authentic because that is what an audience would expect from someone who's presenting, right? Someone that is genuine and not someone that is simply um, trying to hold back of, of who they really are. That's when your story is going to be received the best, is any time that someone's sort of speaking from the heart and being who they are and not certainly you know, in a situation where they're sort of acting their way through a process. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And with that, actually, I well, wanted to go to Disney again because... Again, they're so inspiring when it comes to storytelling. And Eric, I wanted to ask you about the number 18 of Pixar's 22 Rules of Storytelling. And Ah. number 18 says, story is testing, not refining. What does that mean to you? Oh, I I love love the the Pixar um, uh, storyline, by the way. Um, I actually quote their book. I reference the book in a lot of different uh, storytelling enablement sessions. I do in podcasts and different things like that. So, no, thank you for asking that. Um, So here's the way way I look at this, right? When we tell a story in front of an audience, especially an audience that I'm in front of a lot, a software audience, audience doing evaluation, there's a bunch of technical things and all the stuff that's kind of going on, right? It's not like buying a pencil, right? We, at times, tend to think that if we use a bunch of big words and two or three or four-letter acronyms, it makes us appear smarter, right? And we, okay, maybe. But my coaching to anyone is you've got to keep the message simple. Plain and simple. It just has to be simple, right? You don't get, no one's ever going to go, oh my gosh, I saw this guy, Eric Carino speak, right? And uh, I understood everything he said. It was horrible. They may not agree with what I say, but the last thing they're ever going to say is, I didn't understand what he was saying, right? So you always want to keep that message simple and you need to make sure that it is relevant. As I said before, an audience that is sitting there can listen to, it, you know, listen to a simple message. But if it's not relevant for them, what do they do? Well, pick up the phone, start texting their wife, and start yes. doing all these different things. And so all of a sudden, yeah, it's a story, but not to them. Mm-mm. So the outcome is, 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 is important, but you also need to know who that audience that you're talking to. But regardless of the environment that you're in, don't overcomplicate your message, right? Keep this, the message very, very simple. And you will be surprised, no matter who your audience is, how well that story is received. Make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Keep it simple. Keep it relatable. Yeah, so absolutely. With that, Eric, this wouldn't be SAP Experts podcast if I did not bring in the naysayers. So ah. that's what I'm just going to do. Now, yeah. some folks might challenge and say, Eric, stories are great and all, but story is fiction and sales is facts. How do oh. we amalgamate these two worlds? <laughs> well, where did you get that? That's a, that's a really good one. Um, <laughs> story is fiction and sales is fact. facts. Uh, here's how I'll answer that. I'd flip it. Sales is fiction. Story mm-hmm. is fact. Wow. Here, let me explain what I mean by that, right? A lot of people can be good salespeople. 
they come in and there's a very artistic approach and they're very dynamic and they come in and do these things, right? And sometimes it's very genuine. Sometimes, to your point, they could be contrived, right? Now, regardless of, of your method of delivery, if you don't back up, if you will, the sales with a story, then you're not corroborating what you're saying. People won't take that. And this is where I think a lot of people, if, if certainly if you're trying to prove something within your story, they fall short, right? Okay, right. you told me you can do this. What are some of the examples? Oh, great question. You know what? That problem that you have, this thing that we're trying to solve, our friends down the street here at Microsoft, they have the exact same problem. And back in 2011, we did this, that, and the other, and guess where they are now? You see the difference? Yes. So what you're doing now is you're taking the story, using it as an anecdote, as a fact, and aligning that really with your sales. Because to an audience, what you say is fiction until you prove it. Right. So I would flip exactly what you said, right, and look at it this way. Take sales first as being fiction and the story as being the truth. Because the anecdotes and things that have become part of your story will help defend the narrative that you're trying to tell. Absolutely. Because, you know, that again takes me back to my pre-sales days. And sometimes uh, in the beginning, when I was in my early career, sometimes I used to start quoting numbers and facts as is from customer stories. But then I realized how massive the difference was when it was a story and just that. When I, I was sharing, again, a customer reference, but instead of saying, oh, from hundreds of invoices, like actually quoting the number, if I was able to say, well, they had so many paper invoices last year, guess what? They had only one paper invoice. That was far more powerful than me saying 98% touchless invoices. Of course, that's very impressive. 98% is very impressive. But when I said, okay, from so many to one paper invoice, and that's when the audience would start nodding their head and say, oh, yes, I can use all the help that you can provide. So I saw yeah. how that differentiated. You're, you're actually alluding to something that I think yeah. is really important. And I get this from a lot of the new folks that come and work in, in this business of pre-sales and sales, right? And I certainly see this at SAP where you've got a bunch of folks that are recent graduates and, and they come to me and they, they raise their head, Eric, we, we love that, but we don't have a lot of our stories yet. And it's a fair question. Right. So my thing is, it doesn't have to be your story natively. Right. Our company that I work for, SAP, we've been around for over five decades. We've done a tremendous amount of story doing. Take some of those stories, those examples, the customers that we've, we've worked with, and make them your own. Yeah. Right? Embrace them. Make them your own. Because I think that's good. The audience is not going to differentiate whether it was you who experienced it or you're telling another story. There, there's really no difference. What they're no. hearing is, hold on, there was someone else that was in the same boat we were. And oh yeah. my goodness, look what happened, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. And with that, Eric, actually, I want you to take a little trip into the filmmaking side, which also is very close to your heart. Yeah. Uh, so in film, some may say that story must have an arc and or it mm. must follow specific beats, which are delivered at specific times. So does that type of thinking apply to storytelling when it comes to value selling, sales, business as well? It does. Thanks for asking that question. It, it really does. Let me give an example. If I were to tell you a story and I'm talking in this manner, once upon a time there was, and all day long they did this until one day. I'm already distracted by TikTok. Right. And so it's very monotone. Right. Yeah. And so what, what am I, I'm, I'm using that as an analogy because 
there needs to be some level of art within the narrative. And this doesn't mean that a lot of people are going, oh, that means I need to be a dynamic talker or presenter. You've got to present this. It's not about voice inflection per se, although voice inflection is important. It's not about that. It's I, I call this the hero's journey. But this is a, a if you really want to distill down storytelling to, to its simplest form, embrace what we call the hero's journey. Right? You've got somebody, something that has this aspiration. And what do they do? They try a couple things and sometimes they fail. Oh, then we try something else, they fail. They try something else, they fail. And there's this anticipation until finally they triumph and yeah, we won. There's a certain level of build up to that. And then all of a sudden they've won. And you know what? Here's the great thing when you talk about sales. What happens when someone triumphs? Well, let's aspire again. Yeah. So it becomes a virtuous circle. Let's, hey, we have this other aspiration. And we try and we try and we try. Now, a lot of people go, what if, what if in the story, there is no winner yet? Mm. Here's the thing. Since you brought it up, um, the 22 rules of storytelling from Pixar. It's interesting. I believe it's either rule number one or two. I think it's number two. They talk about the story in terms of winning. And you'll be surprised that the audience appreciates effort right and putting forth just the hard work yeah just as much as they do the win and a lot of our stories that we'll tell certainly in software sales you know they can go like this my goodness it's a great question we have been working very diligently with our design team and with product management or with another customer in sort of solving that problem we're, we're getting close Right? We're going to keep you posted on that because it's something that we're really in the heart of right now, but we understand exactly where you're coming from and we'll be in touch. An audience is like, oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes that works even better. We didn't necessarily win yet, but they know that we're trying. Yeah. Right? So the effort is valued just as much as, as if you will, the, the triumph. My point here is you want some level of anticipation and, and, and you know, sort of say, wow, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on? And you get people from the back of their seat to the middle of their seat, to the edge of their seat, right? And we can get into a whole conversation around neurotransmitters and things like that, but it, it's something that you do want to elicit when you right. There needs to be some level of an arc within your marriage. Give me that visual image, starting from the back of the seat to the middle of the seat, to really leaning into the front of the seat. And yeah. I want to talk about that with an example of your work. So I was going through your web website and I came across this video that you made for one of my favorite companies, Starbucks. I'm a big fan, ah. always caffeinated. Maybe that's why I'm energetic. <laughs> guess what? That video that you had created for them, it brought a tear to my eye while also sharing oh, the value you. that SAP could bring uh, to the table. So yeah. what would you say is a secret sauce to elicit this level of emotion from your audience? Yeah, and it's funny, you close off the question from your audience, right? And yeah. to me, it's all about empathy. Now, do, you have, do you have empathy for the audience? And what does that mean, right? Is there, it, it, can you put yourself in the shoes of someone else? And we talk a lot about this when it comes to sales and software, especially at, at the company here at SAP, right? It's, it's about, do you truly understand what that person, not just the company is going through, but the person across the table is going through. And sometimes it's very simple. I was working with a media, a very large media and entertainment company. And one of the things that we had discussed, I was thinking it's going to be all these problems with, with uh, finance and analytics and all these different things. No, it, it's, 
Eric, I want to be able to get home in time to have dinner with my family. Can you help me do that? And it wasn't rhetorical. It, it wasn't for effect. It was like, what can we do, right? That was the outcome that we were looking for. So when it comes to a narrative, what do we need to do our own efficiency to buy that time to get them home in time? Sometimes it's just that simple, right, to do. And so when I look at creating a screenplay or a story, right, it's I, I try to put myself in their shoes. What are they going through, right? What are they seeing in their world? And how do we take the things that are complex and make them manageable and take the things that are simple for them and keep them simple? Because that's what's going to move the audience, right? Is that having that empathy for what they are going through, understanding some of those things and being able to tell that in cinema. And we've done that to your, you mentioned Starbucks. We've done that for Disney and Warner Media, Department of Defense. I mean, there isn't an industry where I haven't done some form of, of, of showcase or short film where we're actually showing them the art of the possible. But empathy is at the heart of that. Beautiful. And with that, for me, I'm leaving today with three major takeaways. That is to keep it simple, be relatable, and be empathetic. But with that yeah. said, Eric, is there something that we haven't covered today that you would like to share with the audience? That's number one. And number two yeah. is that where can the audience follow you? No, great question. I, I, I thank you for asking that one. Never, ever be afraid to share a point of view. Never, 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 ever be afraid to share that point of view. In the world that we live in today, certainly in the world that we are in, in sales and pre-sales and the like, um, you know, it's important that we have an audience or a customer that understands that we, we have a thought, right? And when you come to, we have the luxury and the privilege of working at a company like an SAP that's been around for a long time. I think there's an expectation of that express a point of view because sometimes the audience only knows what they know and they have their own little world that they see. Let's share with them some other experience that might be relevant for them. Never be afraid to share that point of view. The word, people always say, well, then what happens if you're wrong? Well, wow, that's great. What if you are? That spurs a conversation and dialogue. Now you're getting more intimate with your audience and all of a sudden you find this meeting of the minds, right? I think that's absolutely critical in addition to everything we talked about. Don't ever be afraid to share that point of view. As far as more about me, uh, yeah, there is a website, and I know that you're going to go ahead and share that with, with the audience today, which is fantastic. There you'll find uh, more information about me, about my team, the, the projects that we work on. Uh, there are uh, videos and podcasts and things on storytelling, so more around enablement. And then, as important to that, examples of all the storytelling that we've done uh, different videos across numerous industries. Uh, and I think it's a great idea for you to get an idea of how a story can be told in the world that we live in around software sales. And what you'll find surprising is it's not much different than the storytelling that we do today with our kids, right? It's just taking it to a different level and again, being respected to the audience. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today at SAP Experts Podcast and simplifying storytelling for us, especially when it comes to value selling. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.